Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Monster Island Resort, your online radio show that goes bump in the night. I am your host, Miguel Rodriguez, and I like to discuss horror in history, art, literature, film, and beyond. And today, I am going back to a great love of mine, and one of the reasons I started this podcast to begin with, and that is kaiju, or giant monsters from Japan. About a month ago, I got to attend Crypticon Seattle, a horror convention in, well, Seattle, Washington. Kyle Yount of the Kaiju Cast podcast was kind enough to invite me on a panel he created there called the Kaiju Control Group. He, his co-host Jeff Dean, the owner of Dreaming Comics and Games, Aaron Tarbuck, and myself spent about an hour talking about our favorite aspects of everything kaiju, why we find them significant, and more. Because the Kaiju cast is all booked up for several months, Kyle Yount graciously sent me the audio from that panel to air right here on the Monster Island Resort. Thank you to Kyle, Jeff, Aaron, and everybody at Crypticon Seattle for a lovely time, and thanks again to filmmaker Lori Bowen for spending a lot of time with me at that event. You are awesome. You are all awesome. Before I play the panel, though, I just want to mention a couple of things. This Wednesday, June 26th, I will be introducing a bucket of blood for Schlockfest at the Thomas Jefferson School of Law right here in San Diego. Schlockfest is a part of the San Diego Public Library schedule of events, but we are temporarily holding the show at the TJSL until the new library is ready for us. If you are in San Diego and plan on going, let me know so I can get you free parking. In case you don't know, A Bucket of Blood is an early Roger Corman picture about a beatnik artist played by the legendary Dick Miller who passes off dead things covered in plaster as sculptures. It's a lot of fun and definitely worth a look, and it is free. Seriously, more of you need to head to Schlockfest. It is a great service from our library system. Again, that is at the Thomas Jefferson School of Law. In a couple of weeks, we are having our third film as part of the Film Geeks at the Digital Gym Cinema. First was the sold-out extravaganza screening of American Mary with the Soska sisters in attendance. Then we showed Gut with a Q&A by the director of that film, Elias. The audience responded extremely well to both experiences, and I don't think our next screening will be any different. We are bringing the remake of Maniac to San Diego on the big screen at the Digital Gym Cinema on El Cajon Boulevard. It features Elijah Wood giving a pretty great performance in the role that Joe Spinell made us all squeamish with in the notorious original film. This film is artistic and thoughtful, but it does not shy away from the bloodshed. It is truly an example of a worthy remake, and this is not the Elijah Wood most of you know, unless you're thinking of his brief appearance in the film Sin City, but this is much uh, more intense even than that. Please head over to hifilmfest.com slash passes to get your tickets if you're in the area. And yeah, enjoy all of our programming at the Film Geeks at the Digital Gym Cinema. And I'd like to announce that Horrible Imaginings Film Festival, my film festival, is making its move to the Digital Gym Cinema. 
and will happen for four days, October 24th through 27th. It is my first time having it actually in the month of October, and I'm very curious to see how it does. Please help spread the word and support the efforts of that film festival and and trying to bring the darkness to San Diego, which is a big mission of mine. But now, the moment you have been waiting for... From Crypticon Seattle, hosted by KaijuCast and featuring the dulcet tones of the voice of yours truly, I present to you the Kaiju Control Group. Uh, thank you guys all for being here. If you haven't seen it, Men in Suits Next Door is an amazing film, and you'll have missed most of it by now, but uh, you should check it out if you have a chance. That's for, that's that's for us. That's for us. Cassandra Peterson, right, Peterson? Peterson. Yeah, Correct. yeah yes. she's yes. next Cassandra door Peterson. doing a panel, yes. so we'll just leech off of her applause. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, for those uh, those unaware, my name is Kyle Yount, and I host a podcast called The Kaiju Cast. And uh, this is my co-host, Jeff Dean. Hello. <laughs> oh, that's good. That sounds good. <laughs> and then next to Jeff is Miguel Rodriguez from the Monster Island Resort podcast. Yay. Thank you, thank you. And at the end of the table... I'm Aaron Tarbuck. Aaron Tarbuck. of the Dreaming Comics and Games and Daikaiju Iga fanatic since a small child. And yeah, I did, I I did actually know your name. My personal totem or power animal. It's Godzilla. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so initially, I had this idea that we'd come in here and I'd pretend that the, the kaiju were real and have a lab coat on and this big kind of production. But uh, instead, what we're just going to do is we're just going to record a conversation about giant rubber monsters from Japan... And I do have some questions that are supposed to spark discussion. If anyone in the audience, our massive audience, has a uh, question and would like it answered by the panelists, uh, definitely come up so that you can get recorded along with the rest of the audio so that we don't hear quiet people in, in the audience. Should we have a mic facing out? No, I got it. I'll just do this. Ah. Yeah, smooth, yes. <laughs> yeah. So to the panelists, Jeff, since you're to my, uh, to my immediate right here, how would you introduce yourself to this fine group of people as a kaiju fanatic? Well, my love um, for kaiju and uh, those films, of course, began way back in the 1970s on uh, Creature Features when I was exposed to, you know, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. I think was the very first film I saw, and Godzilla versus King Kong. And, um, and back in those days, you know, it was like you had a few movies that would air once in a while. It's not like today where you have you know, DVD and VHS and uh, all that stuff. Then it was like, it was like a, a special thing. You had to look in the TV guide for when that was going to be on once or twice a year. And it was like just a huge event. And it was, I just you know, fell in love with them. And uh, that just kind of launched me on my way to uh, being a monster geek. So would you say that that the giant monsters came before your, your horror obsession? Because Jeff, uh, Jeff also loves regular horror movies as well. Um, you know, I'd lump it in there with the, at the same time with like, you know, the Universal Monsters and uh, the AIP films with Vincent Price. You know, I saw those all roughly you know, the same time. Fantastic. So. Uh, and then, Miguel, you, are, uh, you have your own podcast. Why don't you tell right. everybody a little bit about Monster Island Resort? Well, uh, when I started Monster Island Resort, it was a MySpace group 
So that was a while back, you know, back in the, you know, if you, you do some paleontology, you might find it. Um, and then when I started the podcast, it was originally going to focus primarily on, uh, as you so aptly put, the Daikaiju Iga, um, or giant monster films. Uh, and that's kind of grown in scope to include the other horror stuff, which I actually do, uh, I think horror is a big umbrella and the kaiju is part of it, and horror has always been a big part of my life. So my podcast discusses horror in history, art, literature, film, and beyond, and uh, a lot of that has been giant monster films because they're definitely in there, and if you go back to the root of them, of course, the original Gojira is an absolute horror film, um, and, uh, and rightly so. Uh, so that, that's it's probably my favorite film of all time and extraordinarily important to me. In fact, I own 13 different versions of it, but um, it's a big part of my life. And my first experience to it, uh, to Godzilla, was actually seeing Godzilla 85 when it was released in the U.S. 85 in the mm-hmm. theaters. Um, uh, so I think uh, <laughs> I'm a bit younger. I was um seven years old and uh yeah and it uh blew it blew me away you know right right from the uh the what was the uh little um the sea the parasite the the sea louse yeah the sea louse yes the mutated sea louse that's i had nightmares about that damn louse it was creepy (laughs) creepy yeah Yeah, it's pretty pretty scary stuff right i mean you know the Paris is killing these guys yeah, even before absolutely. we get to the giant monster. Even before we get to the giant monster. So it starts off really well, and particularly at that time. And, uh, and then our video store, because we were poor, was the library. Mm-hmm. And what the library had Megalon. The library had a lot of these weird old releases, um, including the, the, um, the Universal stuff. So my, my introduction um, to a lot of the horror and a lot of the genre stuff comes right from the library. So now I do. Uh, I can pay it forward, and I do library screenings, which I think one thing we didn't mention is I also do. Uh, I'm from San Diego, and I do lots of film screenings. So one of them is for the library, Schlockfest. Anyway, I'm talking too much. Thanks. It's not too much. Not, <laughs> too much. not at all. Not at all. But uh, and and at the end of the table, Aaron, yes. like, tell us a little bit about like how you just became a fan of giant monsters. Yeah. Um, Ever since little, I've loved every flavor of monster. You know, ask a little four-year-old Aaron, you know, what do you like? Monsters! <laughs> and, um, you know, Daikaiju, giant monsters, uh, you know, particularly the Japanese, particularly Godzilla series, is one of the things I got into first, even before the Universal stuff. Um, I definitely think the, you know, that whole genre. I mean, uh, the very typical thing with not just a little boy thing, but... You know, very much commonly associated with little dinosaurs, right? Loved dinosaurs. And then my interest drifted, you know, by about age six or seven. And then I'm getting to see these real interesting movies. And these aren't dinosaurs. They're from them, but they are not. And um, one of the greatest experiences I had, my first exposure, was the library system. Mm-hmm did a summer of monster movies and they did little activities and workbooks and this and that and they showed uh, on uh, screen uh, you know with a film copy Godzilla versus The Thing or Godzilla versus Mothra and one of the greatest of the movies too plus mm-hmm. that was just a great first exposure lasted forever and I'm dead center of being the right age of a kid in the mid 70s when Hanna-Barbera does the uh, Godzilla cartoon uh, for the networks Marvel Comics is doing the Godzilla comic book and he's fighting the champions and Avengers eventually and you know all this different Godzilla exposure and uh, I was just in heaven so. yeah you had the Godzilla um, Shogun Warrior 
I did indeed. I never had the Rodan. Oh. I had the Rodan. You Rodan know. was the only one that I had. Oh wow! I'm on a I'm on a tear to try and find one, but yeah. those prices have gone way way up since I mean, that, 1979 or right. whatever it was. And that one is the rarest, right? I mean, yeah. that toy was rare. So yeah, I would say. And mm-hmm. I, I remember back in the 70s, that was and that was an expensive toy. I had to mow the lawn a lot of times yeah. to, to be able to afford it, that. It, it was chicken pox for me. Yeah. I got chicken pox, and then the you know, and, and now it's your firstborn. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. It's worth your firstborn. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, the, the, you can have more kids. I don't know if my firstborn is necessarily worth what I could get for a rodeo. Because he's a lot surlier now. Right, reminds me of a friend's quote, which is his wife is asking him, "All right, baby, who do you love more, me or Star Wars?" And he did the clever answer of, baby, I don't love me more than Star Wars. <laughs> this reminds me of that kind of yes. answer. Anyways. Flip that around. Yeah. So uh, just working back down towards me now. So Aaron, was your first introduction to Giant Monsters, was it actually Godzilla or was it another movie? Or, it or was, was indeed Godzilla. And it was indeed Godzilla versus the thing. Um, and uh, speaking of, you brought up a really important point, which is in an era which we can rent, find, buy, own all of these or gray market copies and fill it all in. When I was in my youth, oh my God, it was so hard because only so many of the different uh, Godzilla movies would be reran on creature feature flicks and things after Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, but for years, I coveted certain films I never got to see, including, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it was a religious experience to finally see Destroy All Monsters with everybody because it was like a decade after I'd gotten into the whole thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. And and that many years. And for watching it wasn't just the religious experience, but the journey to find it was a religious experience. Right. It was like the pilgrimage to Canterbury. Oh, know, yeah. Digging through dust covered, you know. Yeah. Oh, so amazing. One lesson landed out, and I want us to move on to, to others. Is, uh, uh, you know, getting. To finally see Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, it was shown as a late night movie on one of the networks as a kid, way past my bedtime. So I, I did all the cajoling and convincing. I'll go to bed early and you let me wake nice. up. And in the beginning, I mean, it's it's got its silliness, and yet it's got its darkness. And you know, before it's all shapeless and you're not really getting the full reveals yet, it scared the crap out of me. My mom turned it off on me, and I was destroyed and devastated for years. I hadn't gotten to ever fully see it. <laughs> you didn't get to see the you didn't see the surprise ending of yeah, Godzilla vs. Right? the Smog right, Monster. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. <laughs> and Miguel, was your in, like you said uh, that you discovered them through the library? Mm-hmm. Is now is that? What was the very first giant Japanese monster that you ever encountered? In memory, it was probably when I saw it theatrically as Godzilla 85. And, really? and I'm really happy to uh, that it was on the big screen. One of two. Right? Yeah, yeah one of right? two Godzilla. And, and that's just amazing to me as well. Of well, course. three. Well, no, no, no. Two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no fraudzilla. No fraudzilla. <laughs> um, it's amazing to me because... Because Godzilla, more than any of us here can give credit for, is ingrained in our culture. I mean, how many of things, how many pop culture things have created a suffix? Oh, the Zilla suffix, yeah. Yeah, Yes. Yeah. You know, this is is a waterzilla. Look how freaking big it is. You know, it's it's part of our language. It's become part of our lexicon. Yeah. And, uh, And to think that only two films... From that extraordinary franchise have been released here th- theatrically, 85, and then Godzilla 2000, yeah. which, you know, came back from what you so callously called. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just saying since you were born. <laughs> yeah, <too. laughs> since you were born, too. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so, um, 
that was a big thing. And um, by the way, just because you've mentioned Godzilla versus the thing, is there anyone yeah. here who does not know what Godzilla versus the thing is? Anyone need an explanation? Probably. Oh, we've got one. I, I just had to. I just had to ask because um, it's one of my favorite of the Godzilla stories. Oh, which yes. definitely one of the best. For it's sure. so good. It's yes. a fantastic film. 1964, directed by Honda Ishiro. Uh, what we got in the U.S. was Godzilla versus the Thing. I believe it was a- AIP. Yep. And um, the posters were. It had Godzilla, and then it had a big sign. Saying Godzilla versus the Thing, this is going to be the most horrifying, terrifying monster you've ever seen. And what it was was Godzilla versus Mothra. Mm-hmm. So all these people who were advertised the most horrifying monster go and right. they they see who, who I admit is one of my favorite monsters of all time. Yeah, but they see this big beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know the story of why the name and, and such. Uh, that honestly, it was after a uh, re-release, a theatrical re-release of. Uh, the thing from another mm-hmm. world, and they decided for some reason let's just kind of try to leverage off of that because AIP not being the generators of these films, but the distributors in foreign markets, particularly America, of Godzilla movies, decided to do some funky marketing and, and yes, censored. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. can see that, that it's purely a marketing ploy. I mean, to get people in. I'm sure that when people finally went to see the movie, they're like, "That's the thing." Like. I love Mothra. In the dubbing, yeah, yeah. they call yeah. they call Mothra the. Th- they don't yeah. in the original dub for U.S. Yep. They uh, don't refer to Mothra as Mothra. It's it's the thing. They have the a thing. couple of spots where they say Mothra the thing. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. People were disappointed that Godzilla wasn't fighting James Arness. You know. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> the carrot yeah. head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, El Jefe, Jeff, tell me, <laughs> tell me a little bit about your actual first monster. What do you consider to be your first kaiju? Um, uh, it, the first Godzilla film I ever saw, kaiju film I ever saw, was Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Mm-hmm. And for many years, I saw like the same ones over and over again that would be repeated on, on creature features, which was Mechagodzilla, um, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, uh, Godzilla versus the Thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like many, many years. I think it was on home video where I actually finally saw the original Godzilla film. And when I first saw it, I was like disappointed. I'm like, this is not a Godzilla movie that I had grown up with, you know, like, cause the majority of the ones I had seen were kind of like had a, you know, a little silly factor thrown in there for sure. Especially, Just a little bit. Especially, you know, King Kong versus Godzilla. So for a long time, I didn't really like the original Godzilla film. I'm like, this is not, you know, I didn't go to appreciate it till a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, how brilliant it is and how much of a really a horror movie it is. But, uh, yeah, it's those, those three that I mentioned that I kind of saw over and over. And it became kind of like a quest where you're like, I didn't even really know how many there were right, back right. then. It was like really, I couldn't find any information on it and stuff. Well, I'd say before yeah. the internet, it was very difficult yeah. to even figure out how many movies were made. I mean, you'd have to track down a book mm-hmm. or yeah. some sort of uh, a fanzine like G-Fan or uh, mm-hmm. Japanese Giants or yeah. Mark Light Magazine that yeah. really, really knew their stuff. And, like... I never saw that stuff when I was growing up. It was always, and of, of course, not many of them were around when I was actually growing up. But you know, yeah. it was hard to find that stuff if you didn't know where to look. And like, yeah. I didn't have any place to look where I was growing yeah, up. Yeah, I, I remember like I was a teenager, and I would see like you know some of the alternate titles. So I kind of think there were two movies, right? Like Smog okay. Monster and Hedora, yes. I thought were two different movies for a while. Right, and Sea Monster and Bira, yeah. 
yeah. what's really interesting is in the 90s, that, that weird dry internet, no internet period in the 90s, where you could still get um, Godzilla versus Cosmic Monster. Or God's, you could see some of these movies. These but they were all and they the, are different cuts slightly. They, oh, yes, absolutely. Um, but, but they were all Showa era, or they were all from the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but the films that were coming out at that time, the Heisei era, you, couldn't, you didn't even hear movies. about. Like, I mean, I couldn't. Yeah. So it's really yeah. interesting that the new ones, the ones that were contemporary were so hidden from us. Well, if sure. you don't mind, yeah. if I jump on, yeah, on a little bit, if you're talking about the obscurity of the information, the hardness to find all of this, literally in the 70s, there was one singular book done in a series of other monster books by, uh, what was his name, Thomas Thorne, mm-hmm. that did a book on Godzilla, but it included some misinformation that so many other monster and horror movie books carried on, like the concept that there were two entirely different filmed endings to King Kong versus right, Godzilla, right. which is not. There's definitely so that's a rumor yeah. that we're still combating to this day. Yeah, well, yeah. I, mean, I had that the fight on the playground. Yeah. I had that fight on the playground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no My doubt. book told me that, and I was 100% certain. <laughs> I knew Godzilla definitively defeated King Kong in this Japanese you version. You hear I'd the never roar seen. at the end. You hear the roar at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was hard to find the information for the longest time, and and yeah, and creatures like people would say Baragon. I was like, what? Because I had never mm. seen Frankenstein conquers the world, which is unfortunate because it's brilliant. It is amazing, <laughs> but yes, let's yeah. Right now, so uh, just to to sort of continue that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the era, the Showa era. Mm-hmm. Just for those who are unaware, I know the people who listen to the podcast are fairly aware of it, but the 1954 to 1975 is what fans constitute as the Showa era, and the 1984 through 1995 films are the Heisei era, and then 1999 through 2004 are the Shinsei or Millennium era. So based on those those eras, and specifically talking about the monsters, less about the movies, mm-hmm. yeah. which era do you guys consider to have the most interesting kaiju? Interesting mm-hmm. kaiju. Maybe right. not your favorites. <laughs> right. Um, go ahead, Jeff. Jeff. I've got to go with Showa, I think. It, yeah, you got to. You have to. Because it's got the in, biggest in, body. In every other... In every other you know, in the Heisei and the Millennium Era, mm-hmm. it's a lot of recycled. It's definitely a lot of recycled. You, know, you, you get Mothra, you get Gadra, you get Mechagodzilla. You know, and, and that's one thing that I have to admit, I think, I understand why they did it in, in the later series, but I would have liked them to take a little bit more of a chance at introducing right. new monsters. But I realize, you know, box office, people want to see the classic, so that's mm-hmm. why they did it. But, I, uh, I have to, I have to, you know, I have to give them credit for Godzilla versus Biolante, uh-huh. which 100%. is a great film with one of the most spectacularly designed monsters. Has anyone here not seen Godzilla versus Biolante? Oh. All right, Blu-ray, First off, four bucks. Yes, yeah, it is available right yeah. now. It's one of the last Godzilla movies to come out on yeah. DVD, even though it was made in 1989. Excuse me, 89. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can so, find it for yeah. 7.99, which is like yeah. super best cheap. 7.99 yeah. you're going to spend. In my top five of kaiju movies of all time. Oh yeah, it's so good. It's such an excellent kaiju. Biolante is a fantastic design, but uh, we're talking here about a reboot of the Godzilla series. It was number two. It was the second in the Heisei series after Godzilla 1985 or 84 in Japan, and uh, and 
no one knew who Biolante was, so no one went to see it. And so after that, the next one, I believe the next one was after that was um, their one of their most famous monsters, King Ghidorah. I believe that is that was, is, uh, which is also a fantastic film. But Absolutely, yeah. After that, it was just uh, for a while. It was just recycling the Mothra, uh, Mecha Godzilla, and then finally we got. Destroyer and uh, oh, you're skipping space over. So anyway, Space Godzilla. Ah, yeah, Space Godzilla and, and Batra. Right, right. And Batra, of course. It's good to uh, step over Space Godzilla. Shut up, Jeff. Do you mind? Do you mind I'm if I throw out a little more <laughs> yeah, uh, real quick for, it, man, yeah. for information? So yeah. you hear us say these terms, you know, Heisei Show, etc. Really, the way to think of it is, um, uh, for those who've read comic books, comics have various continuities. Mm. And companies, most famously DC Comic Books, you know, will do something called the Crisis on Infinite hit the reset button and retell everybody's origins. So that, you know, Batman is not from 1938. Thus, he's not an 80-year-old dude in a bat suit. We pretend we update, you know, say that he's come from a more modern period. So Godzilla has these different, shall we say, continuities, uh, for lack of a better term. I totally um, thought you were going for golden, silver, and bronze. I did, too, age. actually. I, you know, if, if, if I was certain I would get too nerdy, I, I would have done that. But I don't want to belabor too many comic terms now, right, too. Right. Because the next thing I want to say is, where do we get this term, Showa? Uh, Heisei mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Shinsei. I was actually yeah going to bring that up. Great. Yeah, okay, it. great. Yeah, which is uh, literally these names are coming from the individual who is still from the Japanese imperial lineage mm-hmm. who is the technical emperor of Japan at the time. And so this is where these continuity names come from. So just an interesting sub-note. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, the Showa, emperor, uh, the Showa era comes from Emperor Hirohito, actually. Yes. Um, and then the Heisei era was when he changed over to Akihito, yep. took over. Um, and then, of course, uh, then we get into the Millennium Series. But yeah, it comes yeah, from... Yeah, Akihito's still in power. So still when in they, power, So they had exactly. a new reboot, they had to... You know, the Make fans up. had to come up with something new. Exactly. And Shinsei essentially means, like, new era, right? New era. Yep. And, uh, and of course, when they went with... It was 2000, so they right. went with Millennium, which was very popular at the time. And, uh, and they wanted to recover from uh, Dean Devlin. So, <laughs> <laughs> so is it, is it uh, panel-wide that everyone agrees that the Showa era came up with the most interesting monsters? Yes. Let me say that the Showa era is the best... The Showa era is the best era. <laughs> Exclamation point. Exclamation point. Um, there's so... One person put it this way when I had a little bit... Because I, I have a kaiju friend who um, likes the Heisei films, but not, not to- totally enthusiastic. And I finally got him to give me one sentence for why not. And he goes, you know what? Not crazy enough. <laughs> and I was interesting. like... Okay, that's an interesting way to put it. But I think I kind of see where it's coming. Like, there's... Th- there's there's so much imagination with the Showa yeah. era. You have uh, Honda Ishiro, of course, who's fantastic. Um, director. The, the director of so many of those uh, films. And Over then when, 23. Yeah, exactly. And then when, when he stepped down, uh, we have Fukuda Jun, yep. who, is all, who actually took the crazy to the next level. Yes. <laughs> save so, the earth. Uh, save the earth. And then uh, I, I would be remiss if I, if I did not mention... Poor, unfortunate uh, Bano Yoshimitsu, who did yeah. Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, the film that got the poor guy fired. And uh, <laughs> uh, but also that movie is in. Who, has anyone here not seen Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster? Oh yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah. I, I, I those virgins out there, check out Godzilla vs. Hedora or Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster. Yeah. It is an acid trip '60s psychedelic insane movie. It is the most bizarre Godzilla movie, and it is the most unique yeah. of the entire yes. series. And it's got a phenomenal soundtrack. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Richiro Manabe's uh, soundtrack. Uh, so, 
speaking towards the the Showa era, mm-hmm. uh, we're and well, actually speaking towards all three of the eras that we're we're talking mm-hmm. about. Generally, those are those are reserved just for Godzilla films. But it's not that's not only the case. Mm-hmm. There's also the Gamera series, right. Daimajin trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Gappa and uh, Gilala, oh. which also were those. All of these creatures were released in the. Uh, in the Showa era as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And some of them have actually had Heisei and uh, Millennium, in a sense, resurgences uh, yeah. in addition mm-hmm. to those, too. And let alone the other Toho monsters. Yeah. That's, that's true, not, that's true. That not many, just Godzilla movies. Many but, yeah. get pulled into Godzilla continuity, but were done as entire standalone. The and then some really interesting and odd ones, like Dogora, mm-hmm. which yeah. I will argue is Fantastic. almost Lovecraftian. Yeah. I mean, it feels more like if you did a Lovecraft kaiju movie, yeah. Why don't you uh, tell the people, because I would imagine most people in here have not seen Dogora. Anyone seen it? No, it's a, it's kind of an obscure kaiju film. Aaron, you want to tell everybody? Sure. What it's, sort of nutshell it for the crowd. Here? Yeah, essentially, um, you know, most of our giant monster movies are dealing with mutated creatures or uh, dinosaurs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, sometimes mythological beings made manifest. Uh, this one is definitely leaning on one of the other tropes of creatures we always see, which is the thing from outer space. This had the interesting sub idea of something that is almost visually mm, jellyfish like, but up in the sky, um, has gotten onto one of our little probes. It's come back, gotten into the earth, and they're like, oh, giant horrible thing floating around up there. Quick, hit it with a missile. Boom. Oh my God, it just spread into tons of other ones. <laughs> now, that straight up doesn't even really act as a sell point. Uh, the people's story is actually kind of interesting. It's got a very noir crime feel to the people's story. A little bit of gangsters, robbery stuff going on. But the creature itself is highly unusual. Uh, visuals from that film have affected directors all over, all the way to Guillermo del Toro, who in a dream sequence in the first Hellboy has these scenes of sort of tentacularness coming out of clouds, and he fully confesses this is Dogora's influence mm-hmm. directly yeah, uh, into awesome. modern cinema. Yeah, awesome. and you could see it too, and it's great because you think of these movies, and you do think of the men in suit, and you think of uh, a lot of the tokusatsu films, which we'll talk about, I, I assume, at some point. But, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dogora, the, the effect was almost—it uh, was like a floating marionette, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it did have this really underwater yeah. feel, and it looks. I love the really sound. And the, the sound, sound like, yeah. it's almost like a pulsating, bubbling sound, and yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. But it's a—it's an in, very interesting film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out in 64, yeah. and along with two other giant monster movies from Toho, Godzilla vs. the Thing, a.k.a. Mothra vs. Godzilla, and mm-hmm. Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. Right. So yeah. it was definitely made in the golden era yeah. of Toho's uh, movie making. And in fact, many will consider so we could, you know, please you know, feel free to argue on this or not, but uh, <laughs> I joined the camp that says you have a break point in the giant monster films, and this is literally from the studios mm-hmm. and their marketing, which by the mid-60s is a, is a break point where giant monster movies, with a few exceptions did aim for a wide audience, and then after the mid-60s, they were like, all right, the true audience right now is kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. And they tried a few exceptions, uh, Destroy All Monsters, Terror Mechagodzilla, to re-try to grab at an adult and mature audience. But by and large, after the mid-60s, giant monster movies squarely aimed towards the kid market. And then, you know, know, and there are anecdotal stories about that being said explicitly by Subaraya and a lot of the other people working on these films. Particularly, I think I'm thinking of uh, Godzilla versus... uh, Monster Zero, um, where Godzilla does an iconic celebratory jig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, after he uh, defeats Ghidorah on Planet X. Yeah, so yeah. so yeah, the story of uh, here is um, we discover a planet behind Jupiter called Planet X, 
and we go, uh, starring Nick Adams, who yeah. was in Rebel Without a Cause, uh, alongside uh, Akira Takarada. They're they're Monster, yeah. et <laughs> they're um, astronauts, and they get to Planet X, and there are people living there, and they ask for help because they have King Ghidorah, who is Monster Zero, yeah, um, and uh, they ask for help by bringing Rodan and Godzilla to come fight. Monster Zero, and they and we do we we go ahead and, and honor their request, and they uh, they win the fight, and afterwards Godzilla does this dance, this kind of like it's a it's a common Japanese victory a, a victory uh, dance. Sports. Yes, okay, there yeah. you go. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. and um, and I, I there is one, and of course I don't think any of these are confirmed stories, but there's one story that I've heard anecdotally. Which is that, you know, they were kind of saying, are we really going to do this? And Subaraya saying, well, it's for the kids. Yeah. You know, li- yeah. explicitly. And at that point, it was absolutely for kids. Yeah. yeah. Look, look it, at the, uh, you know, the fight scene uh, or the fight scenes in Ghidra. Mm-hmm. Um, Being the first they, film that introduces that creature. The uh, yeah. The, the fight scenes come across as you know, downright silly. Them playing like hacky sack or soccer yes. against each other. Yeah, we just heads. watched back that in, movie the other night. That is so we forth. were something they do a bunch in a There's lot. a lot of volleyball <laughs> yeah. going back and forth and between some boulders there. Well, <laughs> let's not forget that before they get to the volleyball and the soccer, you have Mothra trying to convince Godzilla and Rodan to fight this new malevolent force that is King Ghidorah and they literally have a little argument and the, the monsters like yeah. mah, 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 and the, have, the humans are like well what are they saying I don't know I don't speak monster yeah. and Mothra uh, twins have to translate for yes. everybody yes. 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 fairy yeah. infant twins the two and, little and females Godzilla you'll comes see. across as very cranky yeah. you know. yes. it's, 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 it's an interesting one because this is also <laughs> the, the big switcheroo point yep. Godzilla yes. has been the enemy mm-hmm. throughout yeah. the films yeah. until till now yes. yeah. Yeah. And this starts the Godzilla friend to children everywhere we talk which, about the, the switch that literally you can see it happen the switch mm-hmm. is flipped and Godzilla saves the earth along with Rodan, and then that just keeps happening over and over and over again yeah. until, mm-hmm. until he's brought back in 84 or eight, yeah. 1985, if you only saw it in America, <laughs> uh, as, as the, uh, the force of nature that, that destroys. Do you mind if I throw us another topic? No, man, dude, this is, what we, Great. This, is, this is a discussion, my friend. So let's, yeah, one of the things that I'd like to talk about and highlight is let us discuss the difference between giant monster on the loose and kaiju, yes. not just in terms how different these creatures are. People would say, beasts from 20,000 fathoms, Godzilla, these, these are literally almost the same kind of thing and, and such. And though they both contain very large monsters destroying city, there is huge differences in what a kaiju is and what it means and why it's different than them, the giant ants, or even yeah. King Kong itself. Mm-hmm. I might be a little bit controversial on this particular topic, okay. my friend. Great. <laughs> so, no, please. But I don't know if I want to go first. <laughs> um, yeah. no, go ahead. All right. All right. You, you, can't, you can't bait us. Out you whetted our appetite. <sighs> All right, so this difference you're discussing yes. is why I have my pants in a twist over Guillermo del Toro's new film, Pacific ah. Rim. All right, I, 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 I'm trying to be excited, but I just cannot be excited, and it's because he calls them kaiju, and that bugs me. All right, uh, and it's, it's for what I, my interpretation of the difference. So I'll give cool. mine, and then, and then you guys give yours. Great. But, uh, but your giant monster on the loose is, is, you know, literally that. That's a very literal description. It could be a huge lizard 
All right. Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich made a Godzilla film in 1998. That is a giant monster on the loose film. Yes. Reportedly made a giant monster. Reportedly, <laughs> yeah. They made a movie which they entitled Godzilla. Um, yeah, admittedly with Toho's blessing. But um, the big difference here is, is you have essentially a big lizard running around and who gets tangled up in cables and killed by four missiles. Now, um, here we have one of the major differences to me, is a giant monster on the loose can be defeated. It can be defeated by us. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we have with many of the kaiju is something completely different. And uh, the kaiju from Japan have a lot of their philosophical roots in uh, ancient Japanese gods and... And Particularly Shinto mythology, absolutely. Shinto mythology, exactly. And this is what I find extraordinarily interesting about them, is you have a melding of Shinto mm-hmm. and, uh, and atomic, the 50s atomic scare. Great, I'm glad you said that, because that's exactly how I would qualify. Yeah, it is exactly. And if you watch the original Gojira, Honda brilliantly brings them together by having Godzilla mentioned, or Gojira mm-hmm. mentioned, during a Shinto ceremony, where people have been missing at sea. Yeah. Do you mind if I add one layer please to it? Please, please yes. continue on yours, but one layer to it. In the film, before the Americans have tested mm-hmm. and essentially created Godzilla as we know him now, mm-hmm. in, in the film, in the story, he is already venerated, worshipped, and feared yes. on an island and known of by them by their strange phrase, Gorjira, which is a truncation of gore from gorilla, mm-hmm. and Kujiro being whale in Japanese, Gorjira being this truncation. Since the, uh, the villagers on these little islands, they don't have a great education. They haven't read dinosaur books. And in fact, that's the one thing shown to them, and they mm-hmm. go, oh, yeah, it's like it's this. Gojira, yeah. But they don't know dinosaurs even. So please, continue oh, on what I, you're I saying. Mean, that's absolutely right. Uh, they talk about... Gojira. I mean, you have the the old the elder mm-hmm. saying, "This is Gojira." He, he, you know, this wouldn't happen if we still sacrifice virgins. He actually yeah. says that. You know, uh, so it, it does have it, it has that root, and the storytelling has the root in the Shinto mythology um, that is felt throughout all of these kaiju films, and uh, we can't destroy them. No. I mean, every film, every film has extensive scenes of the JSDF or the Japanese Self-Defense Force with everything they've got unloading missiles and Godzilla doesn't even notice it's not it's not it's a you said Kyle a force of nature yes. and that's that's essentially a very apt description well I didn't so. make that up yeah. Got it from Raymond Burr in 1985. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Uh, our, our own Steve Martin. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, uh, yeah, because so the major difference for me between Monster on the Loose and, and Kaiju is uh, Monster on the Loose is this is essentially uh, a monster that's too big and we, we have to fight it and we eventually triumph. A Kaiju is something much more religious almost. And, yes. um and it's not something that we have any hope of destroying unless maybe we change our ways right. and we change something with, um, in us. In the first Gojira, uh, the, the monster can't be defeated until someone is sacrificed right. a, at the end. And so you do have this cycle. And so you know, for me, when, to get back to my original fanboy squeamishness about Del Toro's 
um, Pacific Rim, when I hear the word kaiju being thrown around for that film in what the marketing shows me is... uh, is a bunch of giant robots killing monsters. Yeah, big I get, alien animals. I get upset. Mm-hmm. I, I see, you know, if it was fine if they were just big monsters. But, mm-hmm. yeah, using that word upsets me. Poor guy. Yes, I'm crying. I'm crying. I'm angry. It? Are you going to... I haven't decided yet. Okay, I haven't so. decided yet. Well, Jeff, I'd actually like to hear your, your <laughs> comments on, on Aaron's question about how you define, essentially how you define kaiju. Um, well, it's hard for me to argue with what... what these fine gentlemen just said. I mean, and uh, I mean, I, I agree with what they said that kaiju have. I mean, they have a backstory and a like uh, Miguel said, like a religiousness to them. There's like a uh, which is one reason why I really like GMK mm-hmm. because um, the ultimate which Godzilla stands for Godzilla, movie. Mothra, King Ghidra, yeah. and giant truncated from so. Giant Monsters All Out Attack. Yeah. Yeah. Great title, brilliant film. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's one reason why I really, I think that's one of my favorite of, of the, the entire Godzilla series is because they do delve into that whole backstory of the classic monsters. And they definitely make them very religious, too, mm-hmm. to, yeah. to tie into yeah. that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the kaiju display, though, though, like a lot of atomic horror from America in the 50s and, you know, colossal men and all these different creature things that we will get from the American versions of atomic horror and giant creature on the loose, you know, not, it's not even simply how easily perhaps, quote unquote, something is killed. The kaiju have inexplicable capacities that, though something might start out like Mothra, with an origin that says it was mutated and probably from just a standard insect. Mm-hmm. And yet it has capacities and things that isn't just because it's big. It has inexplicable powers and odd qualities. Uh, even these giant monsters, we kill them with oxygen destroyers or other special weaponry. And yet inexplicably, and of course, it's you know, out of the thing. It's to make more money and to do sequels. But of course, really in the narrative, this means they come back from the dead even. And they're unstoppable. We destroy them physically and they remanifest. And they, they have unusualness that is just not like the other giant monsters different creatures on the loose movies have. Yeah, so they were ahead of the game before Jason and Freddy and all those guys. <laughs> you, could, you could not kill. <laughs> well, before we move on to my next topic, I actually do want to speak specifically to the, the definition of kaiju uh, versus my definition of giant monsters on the loose. And what I will actually argue, slightly argue against what you guys are saying. Okay. And in the fact that what was happening with... Godzilla, Rodan, even Godzilla Raids Again, uh, and I'm not going in order, Varan the Unbelievable, <laughs> shut up, the, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and up until Mothra is that you do have Japan trying to mimic the, uh, the American monster movie. Where that is why all of those monsters die at the end, or you think they die at the end. And uh, I'm not going to get too much into it right now, but show up for my panel tomorrow at 1 p.m. called Toho Monsters on the Loose, and uh, you'll see a fantastic presentation uh, that I have created. So, cool. <laughs> You know, it's an interesting point you bring. Uh, let me just do a slight counter, too, which is uh, you have uh, a couple American scholars adding commentary on uh, the last release, mm-hmm. the Sony release, who, are, who literally come out and say, no, there's nothing mythological going on in the original Godzilla. And yet you can read in other sources translated from folks talking to both Honda and other original creators and producers on Godzilla. There was purposefully uh, Asian dragon imagery put into the suit on purpose. And so there is concepts trying to evoke something different or not just 
simply the American genre. It's partly why so, it became when it became a not a giant octopus, which was the original concept. Yes, yes. When when the when the original script is running around from a short story and it's just called G for gigantic, mm-hmm. and that was the origin for the story that will one day become the movie Godzilla. And yeah, no, very true. So you know, I, I in a weird way, I think we're all right on this because it's not yeah fish or fowl. It's yeah. I just like how it's it's sort of like, uh, and I'll, I will talk about this tomorrow, but. Um, Japan doing what they thought was, you know, that was their best effort to make a giant monster on the loose movie. And then through that progression, they created something that was their own. Yeah. That then was imitated later by other, yes. by other places. So well, let's not forget that intent and then what comes of intent are two different things. And that's one of the most fascinating thing about art in the first place is you have an artist and you have the artwork and then you have the audience who interprets that a certain way and it grows organically from that. And you definitely had that with these kaiju films. So uh, absolutely, it's um, it becomes it started off as a giant monster on the loose idea. It did actually come from the success of Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, the Ray Harryhausen yeah. film yeah. that made them want to do yeah. that. Yeah, that and, of course, the re-release of King Kong. And, of course, yes, the re-release of King the absolutely spectacular King Kong film. From, yeah, done in, yeah. in theaters uh, throughout America and other nations when mm-hmm. they did this re-release of the movie King Kong uh, in, gosh, was that literally 1950, I believe? 52. The year? Yeah, 52. Yeah, 52. Yeah. 52. And it just was like... It was magic. A, yeah, and it, it was a clarion magic. call for monster... Creators. So it started off that way, but that's not. Eventually, in my again, it's my opinion, of course, but it's not. It's not what it became. Oh, it became not. something completely different. In fact, I have discussed this at length, um, and it is of my um, belief that it created a new art form. Like when we yeah. have Gojira, it essentially, you know, first of all, it's really the birth of science fiction in Japan. Is yes. that original Gojira film? And when you think about Japan and science fiction these days, it's almost synonymous. So that's yeah. really amazing. Um, and it's also um, the birth of uh, the, the Tokusatsu film and the Men in Suit film. And, mm-hmm. and really, it's its, it's, its own medium. Yeah. It's amazing. And let's just add one more to that. Mm -hmm. And there would not be the mecha genre and the anime mecha, Mm -hmm. again, without the kaiju and the Japanese giant monster movie. Yeah, so very, very influential and becomes... I'm getting chills just talking about (laughs) it. (laughs) Uh, So actually, I've only got really a couple more questions, Mm -hmm. but I did want to ask, is there... Do we have any audience questions? Yeah, we've covered so much. Okay, I'm going to have... Do you want to come up and ask? No, no, no. You can ask. Come on on up, man. Uh, Willie Greer, everybody. Yeah. Yay. Um, so I guess we, we know that America and Japan have kind of spawned these uh, movements of, or whatever. Like uh, we kind of gave birth to not only the Cthulhu mythos, but uh, this giant animal from King Kong to Bert I. Gordon movie culture. And then you have mm, the nice. kaiju stuff from Japan. Are there any well, other sorry. countries or cultures that have anything similar in terms of giant monsters? Uh, I would say similar would just be what they really were imitating. I mean, Reptilicus is a giant monster film. Definitely, I would counter... In terms of film only? Yeah, yeah, or are you talking about Mythos? Because as far as Mythos goes, I I can't speak. I I can. I'm a classical studies major. I studied in Greece. but um, Giant monster mythology. We want to talk about... About the, the the idea of leviathans, mm-hmm. um, then it is probably the oldest storytelling technique known to man. 
if you go into a cave and see cave paintings and you see yeah. it, it, uh, what they were depicting is is um, awe, mm-hmm. fear, yeah, and reverence. And in fact, the word monster mm-hmm. comes from a Greek word that meant omen or portentous event, not that, necessarily negative. Frequently. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I mean, th- th- it was created to explain why these horrendous things would happen. Yeah. Tsunamis. Yes. Fires. Mm-hmm. Earthquakes. Uh, why did these happen? Be- well, because uh, there's... Uh, huge things under the earth huge moving things or under the ocean. Earth, they're fighting, you know. Yeah. They're gods in the sky. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think the idea of the Leviathan or the giant beast has been with us throughout our storytelling history. Um, in cinema, you brought up Reptilicus, yeah, I was, which so is great. As far as cinema goes, I was gonna I was gonna mention that uh, I will be talking about some of them tomorrow. <laughs> but you know, uh, just as far as giant monsters go, stuff that's like lar- we're talking larger than mm-hmm. buildings. Yes, uh, Reptilicus and Gorgo, Gorgo both came out in 1961. Uh, Definitely responses to the Japanese films. Yeah, exactly. What country were they from? Uh, uh, well, Gorgo is from Great Britain. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that Reptilicus is Denmark. You are correct. Yeah, yeah. you are Conga. correct. Conga. Is that? Con- well, I would I would call Great Conga a, a yes. Conga is Great Britain. Also, like Gorgo to yeah. to King Kong though. Yeah, yeah. Yes. just yeah. like ape. Remember ape? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different yeah. like Kong man, right? <laughs> uh, knockoffs. Yeah, I guess you could say mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's a whole other sub subgenre. Yeah, though. but I mean, if you think about it in terms of going to see this movie, you know, in 1933, the original King Kong, the the impact that had. I mean, Kong was huge to someone who was sitting there watching him the first time. Godzilla is many, many, many times larger than King Kong in. Uh, not real life, but in <laughs> the original measurements. Yeah, yes. if you're talking about the the stats of the monsters. Uh, so when when you're thinking about the impact that King Kong had on audiences in, in 1933, and what that spawned as far as their own large monsters, and then you compare that to the massive creatures that came about from 1954 through. Today, skipping, from Japan. Yeah, we're yeah. skipping a very interesting story with that amazing question. And that is a little monster called Pulgasari. Yes. Has anyone here heard of Pulgasari? I have. This is one of the more unique stories in giant monster movies, not because the film itself, but the making of it. But Bingo. Please. So Pulgasari is a giant monster, kind of like a minotaurish looking thing. But what makes it interesting is this is a North Korean giant monster film. And what makes it further interesting is that in order to get this film made, Kim Jong-il kidnapped South Korean filmmakers and forced them to make Pulgasari. And two actors, an actor and, and an actress from Japan. Yes. He actually had help from, uh, from Toho. Oh, yeah. 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 I want to say that I think Kimpachiro Satsuma was inside the Pogasari costume. It, well, wow. There's a lot remember. of sketchy stuff with this yeah, and also sure. a lot of, of, uh, of hearsay. But uh, one thing I can say is you can see that film for free on the internet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that one was, that's like 1985. Yes, yes. It. This is that's a little it. bit later. Yeah. But, I mean, if we're going to bring up monsters from other countries, 
Uh, I think that's a really interesting topic. I mean, we could talk about Yungari. Yungari, of the course. other Korean the giant Korean. monster movie, which has been remade, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you guys think of the host? I enjoyed it. I thought it was very interesting. Um, it. You know, it, it's funny. I, I wouldn't necessarily liken it directly to the kaiju film, though it right. shares a lot of traits Agreed. with it. Yeah. Uh, but it was also very interesting because it does straddle the line of those. Mm-hmm. And particularly, of course, when we talked about Godzilla continuities, we talk about his second continuity, Heisei, we talked about. Um, one of the keynotes to that entire series of films is they went more, for lack of a better term, cryptozoological. Mm-hmm. They tried to do, play with a lot more pseudoscience ideas and backgrounds to Godzilla and the giant monsters. Uh, then occasionally tipping their hat to the unreality of the kaiju. For instance, they're trying to track its physicality of Godzilla to stop him. And I'm sorry, I'm doing a tiny diatribe on this. But, uh, uh, you know, so we're looking at him biologically and doing blood samples and talking about his genetics. And then there's the scene where he literally jumps through the volcano, starts swimming through the lava. And they're like, oh, wow, we got nothing. This <laughs> should not be even happening. There's no living animal can do that. Wow. What? Yeah. Anyways, uh, the host definitely played with a much more realistic creature you know that uh, you know as, yeah. as much as anything will mutate and become giant monsters to come and kill and eat us is real yeah. <laughs> it's almost i mean definitely taking it back to a giant monster on the loose kind of thing yeah. less oh, giant yeah. just monster on the loose yeah and, and almost like a uh, korean uh, family drama that happens For to sure. have a giant monster definitely. in it yeah, yeah. The, if anybody has not seen the host it's really good and i yes. want to say it's on netflix Totally I believe it is. Yeah. And the host, too, is on its way to It's us. on its way, yeah. yeah. It's completely unique, I think, the host. So we got about five minutes left. Any audience questions? Yeah, please, if you guys have... We've covered so many different things. If not, things. that's fine. Yes. I, yes. There's a gentleman. So after Godzilla vs. Biollante, there was this whole period where you couldn't find him in the U.S. There was, like, rumors about why that happened. What was the actual reason why we couldn't see those movies? We couldn't get videotapes of them until they came out on TV in, like, the 2000s. Do you got it, or do you want me? Yeah, I, well, do you want to repeat the question? Oh, too? okay. So the the question is uh, after Biollante, because Biollante was released uh, to but through HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, why That's have fine. why did we not see any Godzilla movies here in the states until mm-hmm. essentially until the nineteen ninety eight TriStar film? Uh, and I want to say that that is because of the nineteen ninety eight TriStar film. And the there was a guy in in America named Henry Saperstein who it it was his job to bring these films over. And so he worked with Toho closely. He's the reason that we have uh, the Shogun Warrior figures. He's the reason we had the Trendmaster figures, all of the home video releases. Basically anything Godzilla, he's the reason we have it here in America. Or he was the reason. He's he's dead now. But uh, uh, they had been working on an American reboot of Godzilla for years and years. it was his job to interact with the studios to to make sure that they were doing things right and when you're talking about uh bringing a property like Godzilla to America there were a lot of false starts and uh and amazing and people that, attached who never got to do it yeah mm-hmm. lots of lots of, uh, there's that Stan could be its Winston's own panel. Godzilla you could have. Oh. You could talk about all the different attempts at bringing Godzilla to the states, but that's that's essentially why we didn't see those until uh, until the TriStar picture came out. I remember it was like so frustrating back then. Um, after Biollante came out, I remember I would you know you'd hear about it. They were coming out, but of course this is before the internet, and you'd get like magazines 
And I remember when they came out on home video in Japan is when people would start bootlegging them. Yes. And you would order them, you know, Bootlegs. after waiting a year. Because usually I'd go to, like, the Japanese bookstore in San Francisco, right. Right. and you'd look at the little kitty books that they had, you know. But that's like, <laughs> Picture books, yep. Yeah, so that's, what, that's, like, the only exposure you had to it until you got to see it basically, you know, six months to a year later. And by that time, the next one was coming out, mm-hmm. so... So uh, I would like to finish things up mm-hmm. and say, for each of you, I would like to hear one film that you would suggest the audience goes out and tracks down if they have not seen. Start with you, Aaron. All right. I'm definitely going to advocate for the film GMK. Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, All Monster Attack. Crazy, long, stupid name if you just remember GMK. Very unusual. It's one of the few Godzilla films that still directly harkens right back to the first, and it's made as a direct sequel to the first film, and pretty much uh, discounts it much other than maybe a few other giant monster movies have even occurred. It has a tone unlike others. You have giant monster fight action and scenes that are very unusual. An incredible director named Kaneko, who saved Gamera and did mm-hmm. really fine Gamera films, which Gamera... Great films in their own right. Yes, yeah. His Gamera trilogy, the 90s, by the way, is really worth uh, looking at, even if you can skip all the other cameras but GMK really worth your time very unusual mythological and uh, ideas going on it's meant to be its own alternate continuity recasting the giant monsters through Shinto light and it has a number of very intelligent things it does in it which I can't even get into because we don't have the time that's my call (laughs) Miguel what about you man Uh, I'm going to go with Toho's direct competitor a a company called Daie who did a film called a trilogy of films which you did mention called Daimajin yes uh, which are just fantastic, a fantastic trilogy. Um, and he hasn't been back for any Heisei or anything like that. But uh, Japanese what, TV series. A Japanese TV Terrible series. Terrible yes. Japanese TV not, series. Not as Do good, not sadly. look that up. No, no, no. But definitely, uh, the, it has been, the entire trilogy has been released here on Blu-ray and looks marvelous. Um, but what it is, it's uh, they're Japanese feudal Japan period pieces. Uh, so if you like things like Lone Wolf and Cub or Shogun Assassin or whatever, uh, it's very interesting like that. But then you have this gigantic stone samurai statue that will come alive when injustice has been done. And yeah. it's just a great trilogy of films that I really, really adore. Uh, so I think for me, it's going to be Daimajin. And by the way, if anybody's from San Diego, I do giant monster nights all the time that I curate. So you can come yeah. talk to me. And then Jeff? <laughs> um, I just want to add, add that because I mean, I totally agree with Miguel. Daimajin, the, the, the original film... Is I mean it's like a horror film really. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would compare it a lot or make a lot of comparisons to the uh, original Godzilla film in tone. Mm-hmm. For at that time, like we had touched about, yeah. at that time there weren't a lot of serious um, dark films, and, and that is for sure. The giant um, monster movies were all monster wrestling, and this went back yeah, to the serious yeah. dark tone yeah, again. And, and, it, and it's phenomenal, it really is. And that trilogy just came out on Blu-ray for yeah. like twelve bucks or something. Yeah, totally. Um, cool. For me, really quickly, it'd be the Gamera trilogy from the nineteen nineties. Um, they touched on it a little bit. Uh, just phenomenal stuff. If you've seen any of the Gamera films you know, from the 1960s, this is night and day, in my opinion. These, these have high budgets, and they were in direct comparison with the, uh, or comp- in competition with the Godzilla films of the uh, uh, 1990s, and they are just top-notch stuff. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks Thank so you guys much, for being in the audience. Enjoy your next panel.